This is not usually what you hear in the desert. But this past winter in 2022 and this early spring of 2023, Arizona got a lot of rain. The state didn't necessarily have more rainy days than normal, but when it did rain, it really rained. More than that, northern Arizona got a lot of snow. You can go skiing at Snowbowl this weekend if you wanted to, though by now it's probably not in the best condition. But did all of this rain and snow make a difference, or was it just a drop in the bucket for the state's mega drought? Welcome to Valley 101, an Arizona Republic podcast about Metro Phoenix and beyond. I'm producer Amanda Luberto, and today I'm talking with weather experts about how the state's rainfall fared and how it will impact our future. While we had a good amount of rain in the monsoon season and winter, 2022 ended up about average in Phoenix. The state as a whole, though, is a little bit of a different story. Matt Pace, a meteorologist with the Arizona Department of Air Quality, broke it down for me like this over Zoom. So when we look at rainfall around the valley, things went really well so far this year. Phoenix Scott Harbor, though, is sitting at just about average because we didn't see the rain that we would normally see last month. But other locations in the state are doing really well as well. We're looking at Flagstaff over seven inches above average, Sholos almost a half inch above average, and then Tucson's, you know, a half inch above average. But then there are places like Yuma that stay dry normally, and they are well below average still for this time of year. So it wasn't necessarily shared around the entire state. Because Phoenix sits in a geographical bowl, it typically gets less rain than the other parts of the state that are at higher altitudes. For example, northern Arizona in the mountains gets more clouds, which of course produces more precipitation compared to us in the valley. Also, just as a sidebar, why do we use the Sky Harbor Airport as our measuring point for rainfall in Phoenix? So it's a really good question. And the reason why Sky Harbor is used for weather reports is because it's also got the longest term record. We have records going all the way back to when Sky Harbor started. And then before that, the station was actually just a little bit north of downtown. So those records date back to the 1890s. So it's a very nice long record. And the other reason is the official gauges are typically at airports for aviation purposes. So it's the best record that we have. It's the best instrumentation. It happens to be of Phoenix Sky Harbor. So Phoenix started this year strong too. The city got one and a quarter inches of rain in January. That's almost a half inch more than the 10 year average for January's. February saw a little bit of a dip with less than three quarters of an inch. But March was really rainy and gave us almost an inch and a half. So far, April and May have been pretty dry though. We did have sprinkles late last week, but it didn't really make a difference. This has balanced us back to about average, like Matt Pace talked about earlier. Up north in Flagstaff, though, it was a winter wonderland. The meteorological winter is documented from December 1st to February 23rd, and the National Weather Service in Flagstaff said it was the fifth snowiest winter on record. We have had a ton of snow here in Flagstaff, 163.1 officially at the Flagstaff Airport. 
Out here in Belmont at our office, let's make that 179 inches. So it was uh, certainly one for the record books. Puts us in the top five. That is Brian Klamowski. He's the meteorologist in charge at NWS in Flagstaff. He talked to me over Zoom from his office. The snow was great for the area. As you're well aware, uh, we've been in the midst of a long-term drought here in northern Arizona. So the moisture that comes through heavy snowfall is very beneficial on a number of levels. One of those levels is tourism. For those of us in the valley who don't get to enjoy the snow, driving up to Flag is an easy weekend getaway to play, sled, and ski. And if you're not into that, maybe just curl up by a fire and watch it all come down. Flagstaff's ski resort Snowball is actually having their longest ski season ever, going through Memorial Day weekend. But that much snow and that many people can also burden the small city. Number one, driving is very difficult in snow. You know, it's a lot of accidents. People get injured every year on the roadways or get stranded during the heaviest episodes of these uh, snowstorms. Happens every year. The interstates get closed because there's an accident. Somebody gets stuck because they're unprepared. And that shuts down the whole system for a while. So you have to be uh, prepared for that. After a series of big snowstorms, you'll notice that parking can be very limited in the high country because there's basically nowhere to put all this snow. It happened this year. Our streets that might normally be, you know, let's say two and a half, three lanes wide were significantly restricted for several months. Drivers may have had a harder time, but all the snow helped Flagstaff out in a big way. I can say that northern Arizona, or at least our forecast area, is no longer in a drought status. For a number of years, we were in either low, moderate, or extreme drought. We're no longer in any drought status in northern Arizona. So that's great news. When the days warm up here, the city will be dealing with other issues. That snow will become water, which could flood. Last year, Flagstaff saw major issues with flooding, resulting in Mayor Paul Deasy declaring a state of emergency. The runoff from snow in the high country will have a direct impact on the Phoenix Valley. If it's on the northern side of Flagstaff, it flows off through the the Little Colorado River eventually, uh, reaching the Grand Canyon. If it flows off toward the south, you know, then it might flow down the Verde River, the Tonto, any number of those which eventually uh, make it down to the valley. The rivers and reservoirs around Arizona are slowly inching back up towards a sustainable level. Lake Mead, on the border of Arizona and Nevada, ticked up ever so slightly this year with all the rain. Matt Pace said that the rain has even helped the lakes closer to central Phoenix. Even our local lakes here that saw river deals with, we're sitting at 99% full, where last year at the same time we were only around 75% full. So the precipitation helped Flagstaff get out of its years-long drought. And in Phoenix, it made a dent. The lakes are going up, slowly, but they're going up. But in the big picture, was it really enough to make a difference? Arizona's state climatologist, Dr. Aaron Saffel, says in the grand scheme, not quite. If we look back in time, if we go back just the last 29 years, we've had nine years that look like this that have been wet, but 20 of those years have been dry. 
Her job as state climatologist is to look at where we are with the weather and make sure the right people have the right information. She says as a local, this role is very important to her. I was born and raised here. My very first memory, and I'm going to date myself, but 1970, there was a flooding event that happened that my family had to sandbag our house with. This was in Scottsdale. And I remember that. That's my first memory. And so I've always been fascinated with too much water, not enough water in Arizona. And however I can help and assist in that way, what I tend to do is I I write a lot of reports. I go to a lot of meetings. I try and make sure that the people are connected. I also try and provide context. What does it mean to have a wet summer? Or what does it mean to have a wet winter? I think having that information and providing that context is really helpful. The precipitation that Arizona got this year was great, but the drought here has been going on for almost 30 years. So if we look at the precipitation that we've had in that period of time, we've been missing about an inch every year. So we've missed about 29 inches of precipitation over that period of time. But the way that our climate system operates is that we can have wet winters and dry summers. We can have wet winters and wet summers, and it kind of goes back and forth. If we look at 2018 to 2019, that winter, it was kind of like this one. And so then we pop into 2019 and it started drying out. So it's like this back and forth thing that we have with our precipitation in Arizona. The water crisis in Arizona is actually now reaching a national scale. Three key states, California, Arizona, and Nevada, are going to be impacted by the future of the Colorado River. Those states must bear the brunt of new reductions because they're the only three that fully put their water entitlements to work. Currently, they're negotiating on voluntary water reduction. But with populations rising in Arizona, specifically in Phoenix, reducing access to the Colorado River would directly impact living conditions and jobs here. Utilities could skyrocket in price, and the state could lose more than 2 million jobs, according to a report out of the University of Arizona. Two large career sectors here in the state are dependent on water, agriculture and tech. Food production in Arizona will be impacted. More than 90% of the country's greens are grown in Yuma. And the billion-dollar semiconductor industry requires water in order to even function. Arizona could experience a setback if these deals go through about the Colorado River. But having the river dry up completely would also be bad for us. Aaron said that luckily, the state is more reliant on local rivers and reservoirs, and good precipitation years like this have really helped out. In Arizona, we do have a diverse water supply, so we're really relying more on that in-state river, so what's coming from the Verde River and the Salt River, and what's going on with our groundwater and our aquifers. We get maybe a third of our water supply from the Colorado River, and that's challenging because it is entrenched in a long-term drought, and there are a lot of decisions that are still being made about that water. All that rain and snow created something else as well, 
greenery. A few weeks ago, listeners will remember that reporters and editors of the Arizona Republic newsroom shared with us their favorite places to go see the wildflowers. All around the state is looking lush and vibrant. Here's Brian from Flagstaff again. A lot of grasses, a lot of greenery, a lot of wildflowers. All of those are going to die pretty soon and become very dry kindling for fires. So we will see an enhanced fire risk at the lower elevations due to all those fine fuels, which have grown in the spring, which will soon be dying as the summer comes along. That's in the valley. In the high country, the wildfire season is being delayed. Fires usually start around now in May, but due to the moisture, they're in a pretty good standing right now. That doesn't mean that there isn't still a chance of fires though. At the higher elevations, the trees are being nourished by an abundance of moisture. You know, so the live fuels, the live trees, will likely not see that drying that they typically might see at this time. But if we don't see any rain, if we don't see any precipitation, you know, uh, between now and let's say mid-June, most of the dead fuels, you know, the big logs, the branches, and everything on the uh, forest floor will become very dry and ready to burn. As Brian told me, the only thing for certain is that we will have a fire season. It could be shorter, it could be longer, but it will happen. Matt Pace tracks how weather impacts our air quality. He said that wildfires in northern Arizona and even as far north as the Pacific Northwest can be felt here in the valley through our air quality. The fires of the Pacific Northwest almost every season, that high pressure center shifts over Arizona, and their wildfire season is a little later. It's generally the late part of July into August into September. And with the high there, that smoke will transport through Montana, down through Wyoming, into Colorado, into New Mexico, and then finally into Arizona. And that's when you'll see that smoke overhead. A lot of the times it doesn't get to the surface, but what does mix down to the surface is some of the precursors from that smoke that will result in elevated ozone levels. So you might not have the smoke right at the surface, you might not smell smoke, but that smoke from 100 if not 1,000 miles away can result in increased ozone levels. So we're always tracking where wildfires are, where that smoke's going around the entire Western United States. While fires can be caused by lightning strikes and other weather events, we have an opportunity to influence fire season. Just last year, 60% of the known-caused wildfires were human-caused, burning about 69,000 acres. In 2021, there were over 1,000 human-caused wildfires, equating to about 65% of the overall wildfires. And those wildfires burned 355,000 acres in the state of Arizona. So when you're outside, do your part. Be very cautious. Pay attention to the fire restrictions. Just be smart when you're outside to not create those sparks because in 2021, if there were no human-caused fires, we were to reduce the amount of wildfire smoke emissions by 355,000 acres. That's not a small number when you think about it. Those wildfires can cause flooding in the north when they do get rain again, but Flagstaff is preparing for that. You need high-intensity rainfall to cause the flooding in the post-burn environment. Now, we will see that again during the monsoon those high impact rains will come and the same areas that were impacted last year are likely going to be impacted again this year but 
I'll add a big caveat because the city of Flagstaff, the county, uh, Coconino County, have done a lot of mitigation work in some of the uh, drainages there where they can. They've done some awesome work, which is likely going to uh, significantly mitigate flooding in some of those neighborhoods, especially on the west side of Flagstaff, in the museum fire drainage. A lot of work has been done. We saw those improvements have an impact last year and more impacts will be mitigated uh, this upcoming year. But it's still a hazard. You know, we still had many thousands of acres burned in the San Francisco peaks. We're going to see flash floods again, and we're doing our best to prepare for that. So to answer the question, did we get enough precipitation to really help? The answer is yes and no. Flagstaff was able to remove themselves from drought status and local lakes saw an increase. But the valley has a long way to go and the state at large is still in a mega drought. Monsoon season is just around the corner, but as we all know, that can be fickle. You can get a downpour while your neighbor down the street gets nothing. But as all desert people know, any rain is welcomed. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Valley 101. Curious about something? Well, let us know by visiting valley101.azcentral.com. I want to thank all of our guests today for providing their insight into our drought situation. This episode was produced by me, Amanda Luberto, with editorial help from Kathy Tulamello and audio oversight by Kaylee Monahan. Today's musical scoring came from Universal Production Music. You can support Valley 101 by subscribing to us on your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us now. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AZC Podcast. Valley 101 is an Arizona Republic and azcentral.com production. I'm Amanda Luberto. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week.